ladies and gentlemen, you know what that means when you hear that sound. It is time for another episode of the Rec Poker Podcast Forums Edition. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm your host, Jim Reed. And if you want to learn about me or any of these wrecking crew wreckers, you can go to rec.poker slash crew and learn about them all. Um, another couple of things you should learn about is Website Amp and Running Aces Hotel, Racetrack, and Casino. Thank you for being our sponsors and letting us do this show every week. So every week we uh, get together, we battle it out in the Rec Poker home game. Every week I have the best job in the world and I'm joined by this panel of recreational poker wizards. Panel, why don't you tell the gang where they can reach you? Well, I'm John Somsky, and you can reach me at PokerGeekMN everywhere. And I'm Rob Blossom, and you can reach me at Rabman50 everywhere. And we are going to be looking at a forum post today uh, from Keith Brandt, who goes by Monkey System. You may have heard his name in our uh, podcast <laughs> before, or maybe you've seen him streaming or playing in the home games. Keith is uh, one of our premium members and a big part of what we do here at Rec Poker. Um, so Keith Monkey System Brandt writes in Facing a River Lead. And the subject is uh, Keith, this has been a subject that was come up with Keith a couple times in the last couple months. We've been looking at turn and river play in some of our forums. We've been looking at post-flop uh, betting lines in some of our study groups. And I know uh, Keith has been really interested in the theory behind leading out on the turn in the river and what kind of hands people choose to do that with. Um, so I'll just take us into the hand and we can sort of talk about uh, the ways that the ways that we might uh, play it in that spot. So uh, Keith says, when someone's been calling us and suddenly leads on the turn or river, what does this indicate? Uh, he says, I've used this move in the past when I was worried about not getting any more value for my strong hand. But if my opponent's been betting, why not just let him keep on betting and uh, risk folding him out of the pot? And then there's this sort of question of, okay, well, if that's what I think he's going to do, then does he know that that's what I think? And are we in this leveling war? Um, and so let's just take a look in the hand. And as he says, we kind of get into an endless loop thinking about uh, trying to outsmart our opponent, right? And we end up often usually only outsmarting ourselves. I'm not sure if that's what happened here, but uh, let's see. So this is a poker stars hand. Uh, we're, it's a tournament hand. We're down to five players. So he doesn't say this is a final table, but if we're down to five players, I guess it could be a six-handed tournament where there was just someone sitting out. So we won't say for sure that it's a final table, but um, let's, so let's not include ICM considerations, but we could under some circumstances. So in this, uh, the hero is under the gun with pocket sevens and uh, has the effective stack with 28 big blinds. Um, so we open to 2.4 big blinds, which is fine. I think you could open to two and a quarter uh, if you wanted to save a couple little chips on your uh, open size there, but 2.4 is fine. I think the effective stack was a little larger than ours, or the table average stack was a little larger than ours. And it folds around the small blind calls and uh, the big blind folds. So we get to the flop with two players, uh, six and a half big blinds in the middle, and we've got about 26 back. To flop comes the four of clubs, eight of clubs, eight of spades, and uh, the small blind checks, which they are gonna do a lot of the time. 
and the hero is there with uh, pocket sevens. So I think it's a pretty good board to see bet. These paired boards are good uh, candidates like monotone boards to just put a C bet out there and see if you can take it away. Maybe they're not the perfect one for it, but I'd be C betting here. Um, so does Keith. He chooses a small sizing, a little under two big blinds and uh, makes that C bet. Anything we want to talk about there before we move to the next level gang? Doesn't sound like it. So um, I like the sizing Keith and uh, the small blind calls uh, and that all makes perfect sense. The turn comes the ace of hearts. So there's 10 big blinds in the middle and uh, the, the board is four, eight, eight ace uh, with two clubs. Small blind checks again. It, I'm, I'm C betting here again, I think. Um, with my range, am I doing it with exactly pocket sevens? I don't know if I'm doing it exactly with pocket sevens. Probably, I think so. Um, what do you guys think? Are you putting in a, a second C bet here? It's a pretty good card for a range. Well, yeah, you yeah. can represent the ace pretty easily. It's a really good card for your range, but sevens has enough value that you could. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't be opposed to checking behind with sevens either. So I don't think it's necessarily bad to bet here either. Um, but I think you could argue that it would be a check as well. Yeah. It's that weird spot where it's a good card for us to be bluffing, but when we have a hand like exactly pocket sevens, we actually have a fair amount of showdown equity and we're not really, we're not really getting our chips in good here. Um, so we're kind of turning it into a bluff, which I'm not sure we need to do against their range. So um, actually, maybe now that we talk about it, I prefer it as a, as a check back. But you do need to get some value from some of those uh, draws. Yep. The problem is the ace kills a lot of that action too. A lot of those cards that you you know king jack two over cards. Um, it kills that action, which is why it's a good bluffing card when you're trying to bluff. Okay, so maybe Keith, we would have checked back, but pretty pretty small means uh, to be complaining about there. So the river comes the six of spades. So again, the run out four eight eight ace six. Uh, the draw the flush draw does not come in, and we are holding pocket sevens. So we're blocking some of the uh, real value hands that could be in there, the straights essentially. And we're blocking some of the combos that could have an eight as well. There's some seven eights that they're not gonna have, stuff like that. Um, so it's a pretty good, we have a pretty good hand for blocking the nuts, um, but we still just have one pair on, on not, a great, uh, not a great board for one pair. So when the six of spades comes, the pot, is 23 big blinds. And this is the spot that's really interesting to me. So the small blind leads into us for six big blinds, which is just a really funky sizing. On the turn, there was 10 and a half big blinds in the pot. The hero bet six and a half and the small blind called. So they're leading out for a smaller bet than they called on the previous street. So what's up with that? What's up with that, guys? What, what, 
the for me alarm bells are going off a little bit there um not alarm bells like this person definitely has quad aces or quad eights but alarm bells like something unusual is happening here any any thoughts or any like is there one way that makes you lean when you see something like this or do you see something like this often enough to have a take on it it makes it seem weird to me um that bet size is uh just seems too small to me for this board run out Mm. um the board isn't quite scary enough i mean you do have the straight that came in but there's no flush possibilities and unless this player actually hit the straight which obviously given our hand is unlikely because we're blocking so many of the straights with our pocket sevens um it just really doesn't make sense unless it's just some type of a blocking bet. I could see a player maybe doing this with an ace because they want to get value from the ace, but they don't also don't want you to bluff to make them call too much. Um, the other times I see people lead out is if they, if a big flush did come in and they know that you're likely to check behind, then they'll bet that out if they hit that. But in this particular case, it's, it seems more weird than normal. Yeah, the first question you ask yourself is what did he call the flop and the turn with, right? Um, If he called the flop and a turn with an eight, um, is he afraid that you're going to check back the river and he's not going to get any value with that eight? Um, The fact that we have an ace out there and you bet – you know, the continuation bet the flop and you bet the turn with an ace, there's no reason for him to think that you're not going to continue on the river and triple barrel. Um, so either he's betting small, hoping that it'll give you incentive to do a raise, you know, go ahead and go over the top and raise your ace or whatever, or he's actually got an eight and hoping to get some small sort of value knowing that if you have an ace, you're going to call. Yeah, I was thinking about that because that is, it does feel like it is kind of consistent with him, like hoping you have an an ace, right? Like we made that C bet and then we hit our ace. And so now we've got a hand that if he does have an eight, this is the perfect spot, right? So then, but I was thinking about that and I feel like he could have, he could have clicked back the check raise for six and a half big blinds on the turn but he elected to call and then lead for six big blinds on the river. And it's like, if I had the eight, if I wasn't going to check raise, it would have been because I wanted to get more value on the, on the river. And by, by making that really small bet, like my first take is that that's a value bet, but what hand is value betting that small that doesn't choose to just make it a click back on the turn and then still get some value from some of the draws. Like there's still two clubs out there, I think at that point. And I don't know, maybe we're projecting too much on our opponent here. Um, well, you could do that with pocket sixes, right? Right. And all of a sudden he hit his full house. Now yeah. he's going, Oh shoot. How am I going <laughs> to get value for this? I got, I got the veritable nuts here. <laughs> 
Yeah, because I think because aces, a lot of those aces, if he does have, if we do have an ace, I guess we're probably checking behind with some of those, right, on that paired board. Um, so maybe he's thinking we're not going to get value. He's not going to get value from some of those. Or maybe he's trying to get, in that particular case, he could be trying to get value from a single pair with the straight draw or mm -hmm. something that missed still. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's see if Jonathan Little has any insights about maybe our opponent missed the flush draw or maybe he had ace-king or something. Let's see if we can uh, drill down into that. Have you ever wondered whether you should call a preflop raise or three-bet instead? What do you do when you have a flush draw? Do you raise it or do you just call? What do you do with ace-king when you miss the flop? Are you tired of guessing about what the right play is with your particular hand? Well, my name is Jonathan Little, and I am a two-time World Poker Tour champion and creator of PokerCoaching.com, where we offer over a thousand interactive hand quizzes where you play a hand and then get real-time feedback from our world-class pros. Don't guess and don't stress. Just register for your free account at pokercoaching.com slash recpoker right now. Uh, that offer is only valid for people that want to get better at poker. Just to be clear, if you don't want to get better at poker, do not go to rec.poker slash resources and uh, click on the link there to join Jonathan Little's poker PokerCoaching.com, because if you do, I warn you, you will get better at coaching at uh, poker. God damn, almost got it there. So, all right, how about this? He's yeah. got an ace X of spade or clubs, right? Mm. And his, he didn't check raise because he was hoping to hit the flush and get more chips out of you. No, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> he still would have checked raise the turn with with a sex of clubs, right? Yeah, it's that's that's when the, the ace comes in. Yeah, like why didn't he check raise the turn? That's the thing I can't understand. To put a yeah. smaller bet in on the river, because the one thing about the river, the tiny bet on the river, is that he's choosing not to add any fold equity to it. So it 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 probably isn't a bluff. It it, it could be it could be a bluff, I guess. If you know, now, some people use the small. The small sizing is a bluff, right. thinking that, well, he's, he's, how can he call this? It has to be value, to be right? Value, I'm right? so small. <laughs> I'm giving him the odds to call. Yeah. That's that leveling war we it's get. Counter, right? Counterintuitive. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what, that's what Keith is, is struggling with here because, so Keith is sitting here with pocket sevens on ace eight, eight, four. Wait, is that right? Uh, Ace eight eight four six. Ace eight eight four six. Yeah, so he's got third pair, um, but he's been playing it more strongly than third pair. Our opponent, our opponent is representing that they have third pair beat. So I don't think I don't think Keith can just kind of like value call and expect to be ahead a lot. He can he can be ahead of some of the bluffs. He can be ahead of like the paired six hands that the guy ended up with, right? Some weird yeah, five, six, six, nine, five. Yeah, exactly. Something like that. That was sticking around for whatever reason. Um, well, five, six has a gut shot. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there could have been a couple clubs in there too. So that's, that's possible. Right. It could be some very draw stuff. Um, but then they're not, they're not playing that as a bet. They're not leading the river no. with a six, right? They're just well, checking would, that and trying to get to showdown. You would think they aren't. But you would think they aren't, yeah. That's uh that's that would be a hell of a bluff. <laughs> so what 
so what are we what are we beating like what are we beating that's taking this line um a a, a naked six a naked six or a busted flush draw without the ace a busted flush draw without the ace yep that we have i don't know if we have the seven of clubs or not i'm not sure we do we do have the seven of clubs so that takes out a couple of those different combos of bluffing candidates that they could have. So it's this really weird spot where they're betting six big blinds into 24. And I mean, I'm considering folding. Like, and what is I, it? Uh, what is the population? Do? You know what? Right. What it does a population in this size tournament? What are they going to do there? And I have a I have a note on my computer when I'm playing small ACR tournaments. Yeah. And that note says they always have. <laughs> Just to remind myself when I see this bet on the river that. Yeah. I've it, called too many times and just said, how could you have that hand? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm I'm coming around to that uh, to that notion. So I, I'll, I'll scroll through the and I should say to, to folks, um, we don't we don't get if you're interested in the subject matter, just get a free account at rec.poker and go check out the forum post yourself because you can see, you know, um, Keith, he enters all this stuff into solvers, he, he uploads, he shows like uh, screenshots of the different stages of his solve. So you can see what the solver thinks at different points. He's in there node locking so that your opponent takes certain actions uh, so he can get the read for you. Um, so go, go check out the forum post itself. We're not gonna go through all the details of the post here, um, but we get a good uh, point here by I'm a Luigi. One of the members is uh, uh, typing into the forum post here. That says, yeah, you have to consider villains river sizing. You're getting five to one in a call. So this bet sizing has very little fold equity. Uh, so it's heavily weighted towards value. Um, and I'm Luigi also says, uh, checking the turn makes your life a lot easier on the river and controls pot size. And it gives a villain a chance to bluff their misdraws. I strongly favor turn check back as you should be checking back some of your ASX hands for balance. I, and I think that's right. I think I'm Luigi uh, nailed the analysis there. Um, I think, I think it, it, given the exact circumstance, I think that that does play better. And then I think you can snap call this bet um, because you've really weakened your range. You've in, you've included a, now they have a bunch of bluffs that that they might not have because because this feels like a bet that the out of position player is making, targeting your pair ace your your one pair of aces hands this feels like they've got you on an ace and they're trying to get paid um whether it's and with the paired board i guess that's uh oh rob you're muted just for the record yeah um, you've shown a lot of aggression so far and he's let you bet in you know bet and then you just check bet call yeah and he's let you bet bet and now he's worried that you're not gonna bet right so he wants to get a little bit more value out of you i think that's what it is so then what about why, why the sizing? So there's, so the only other thing we haven't really talked about is um, the blocking bet here. Cause I think it's, it could be this sort of, he's got the quad eights, right. And that's why he's kind of slow paying it because he had the board locked up, could have quad eights. So here's a very small value bet. Um, I think they probably could get value from an ACE 
with a bigger bet. Um, so that makes me, I think John mentioned earlier, the notion that maybe this was a blocker bet with a, with a, with a, now, John, when you're talking about that in this, in this, uh, context, ace high board, two weights on board, what's the hand value that we're thinking about when we make that blocker bet? Like what is the type of hand we want to do that with, or, or that we think this player might do that with? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that it, it with this board it is a good play, but the type of board I would think would be something like they have one of the other cards paired or an under yeah. pair to the ace. Yeah. Um, where they think they have enough value that they want to see the showdown, um, but not so much. They don't want to pay any price mm-hmm. for it. They could have an ace with a crappy kicker. Yep. You know, a suited ace that missed everything and, and you know, ace-deuce, ace-three type hand. And you're thinking, well, you know, the ace could be good here, but if he has an ace, he's probably got a bigger kicker. But why would you bet that? You would just check it down, wouldn't you, and hope, hope your ace is good? I, I think I would. That's the way I try and get those. That I think about those, like, minimum value hands out of position. I'd be more inclined to value bet them in position. Right. I just can't think of a hand that he would bet this way that we beat. Mm-hmm. So it feels like the, it feels like the panel is leaning towards fold here against the entire range uh, as played. I think he definitely could have some hands that we beat here, but I'm not sure he has them often enough, but the bet is so small. Oh God. Am I just a degenerate? Am I just unable to, I just want to see those cards all the time. I can tell you in game, I would probably, as long as I felt I had enough chips, I would end up calling just to figure out what the heck is going on because this play seems so strange to me. Yeah. And maybe that's what, and so I guess that's part of the answer, Keith Uh, monkey system for when you're writing in, like some of these times it's just weird. Like, uh, I wish we could have turned this guy's hand over to see if he had to see how many eights he had in his head. <laughs> you know, we, we, we've had some conversation in some of the other groups about poker tracker stats. Mm. And one of the poker tracker stats that we ask people to look at is calling river bets. Mm. And what is your big blinds per hundred when you call river bets? Right. Most people are losing when they call river bets. So if you look at your poker tracker stats, call a river bet and just check it out. I mean, you're going to find out that you're minus BBs per hundred when you do that. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, typically if you get to choose between betting or calling, um, call betting is going to be a better way to win poker tournaments. But um, <laughs> But it's those tricky spots and it's like we get in these places and it is fun, right? Like it's fun to make those calls where <laughs> you get to see that weird bluff. And uh, well, and, and the thing is, is you never want to think when someone bluffs you, you think, wow, they really pulled it over on me. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is most people don't bluff with the optimum frequency. Yeah. They don't bluff enough. So even when they pull it over on you, they're really losing money because they're not doing it often enough. So if you just realize that and fold and read uh, Rob's little note saying they always have it, <laughs> then you'll probably be ahead of the game. <laughs> I think that's right. 
I think that's right. All right. Well, uh, thanks, guys. I, I always enjoy these uh, little hand history conversations. So um, I'd like to thank Running Aces Hotel Racetrack and Casino, Website Amp, um, Monkey System, and I'm a Luigi for typing some great comments in there. Rob, John, Steve Fredlin. Thanks, everybody, and we'll see you again soon.